well as a massive selection of pre-owned vehicles. The incredible sales team will guide you through the wearing way of buying a vehicle. This event's heating up. Week two, savings on every vehicle that break free from the bitter cold event on now. Wearing Chevrolet 107 East Alger online, wearing Sheridan.com. Life in Sheridan is dynamic. Between work, family, and the great outdoors, schedules can get hectic. At Sheridan Memorial Hospital's primary care, we're making your health care more convenient. You can confirm, reschedule, cancel, or ask questions about your appointment with a quick text. No time to call? Simply send us a text and we'll promptly get back to you. It's healthcare made easy, just the way you like it. Primary Care, caring for you and your family. Located in downtown Sheridan and online at SheridanPrimaryCare.com. Ladies, you know that one thing you've been dying to try but don't know how to get started? Well, I'm here to help. This is Candace Crane, General Manager at Sheridan Honda and Power Sports, and I'd like to invite you to check out my podcast, I Want to Do That, Women Helping Women Explore the Outdoors. This episode, we're talking about skiing, and Sheridan's own Patty Toby shares how she got started skiing as an adult and what beginners can do to feel confident on that first run down the mountain. I Want to Do That is sponsored by Skidoo and will be available wherever you get your podcast. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. With me this morning is Clarence Montano and Wayne Schultz, uh, not shots, 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 kind of like uh, shots. That's right. <laughs> now, uh, you guys are from AARP Wyoming. I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Uh, Clarence, you and I have spoken in the past. Yes, sir. Uh, we've, I think we talked about the Super Bowl last year, but you've also been in here for other programs that AARP. We have, we have programs going on in the community year round. Yeah. And, uh, same this year, we we have a number of uh, items, uh, different programs going, being scheduled, being uh, planned at this stage, and hopefully, if time permits, we'll we'll talk about those. And now, you betcha. One thing that you and I uh, have talked about in the past, and one thing that I was, uh, I kind of want to get out there for folks. You know, people think AARP; they think fifty plus only, but that's really not the truth anymore. It's it? it's not the truth. We we do focus on. 50 plus, but anyone could join AARP. And we, I, I think we have some programs and some activities that might be benefit to them. Absolutely. Uh, uh, fitness programs. Uh, if, if there's people out there that are uh, a little isolated, this is a good, good group to uh, get involved. And it's really a community so, program. Absolutely. I mean, yep. this is a great way to get involved in your community. It's got some organization behind it. So you don't have to come in and, and have to take on a, a large load. You can come in and help out when and where you can. Absolutely. Correct. We have, we have currently, we have 23 um, members in our, uh, what we call a community action team uh, or, or CAT. Uh, not everyone can uh, volunteer and meet for each program or each activity, but uh we we take on volunteers if they could only give one hour a month that's that's great we could we could utilize it um there's just a lot of different activities throughout the year that hopefully 
someone who's volunteering will be able to find something that's going to be of interest to them. And it's a great way uh, to kind of get into volunteering uh, because it is so organized. Uh, that way you can kind of show up and someone can tell you, hey, all we need you to do is this. And, exactly. Uh, you don't have to take on too much. Now, first off, how was your uh, how was your new year, Wayne? I'll start with you. How'd you bring it in? How did I bring my new year in? Well, it was pretty cool, calm, and collected. <laughs> um, I, I the new year to me is just uh, another day. It's another opportunity to uh, look at some activities ahead. Yeah. And uh, I I usually try to set some goals. And uh, that's always a good idea to set goals. What do you like to accomplish for the year? What what things do you want to do? Um, and as you do that, and uh, some of the volunteer things that we have in our community, and Sheridan's a great community to have volunteer activities. We've got them all over the place, and and uh, so it's wonderful to be able to do that, to serve and to be a part of the community. But yet. Uh, I'm not, I don't feel like I have to organize everything yeah. from scratch. I can go in and I can help on certain projects and that's great. Now, Wayne, I've been asking folks, uh, a, a series of questions, uh, one a day, uh, I kind of throw it out there. The one that you're going to get is, is there a hobby or a skill that you would like to begin or improve on this year? Well, I will tell you, it probably has to be my gardening, uh, um, last year, I, for some reason, my garden didn't do as well as I had planned. And, uh, so it didn't produce the things I wanted, but, uh, this year I'm hoping that I can, uh, relocate plants. I can put them in an area where they will do well. I will feed them, water them and, uh, get some better produce. I like to, uh, take the produce from my garden and either share it with others or to preserve it yeah. by freezing it or canning it so that I can use it throughout the year because yeah. it's uh, uh, something that is uh, not only a talent, but I think it's something that I think we each need to know that we can actually do something and grow something and be a part of making something that's making a difference. And it's it's a, almost like a meditative process. I've had a couple gardens in the past, one that was actually quite large. And uh, boy, it was it was just great to go out there and spend time in your garden. Uh, I found myself a 34 year old man, you know, at the time, just wanting to be outside digging mm. in that dirt. And, uh, I, I got a chance. I love to grow grass. That's another thing that I love to do. I won't carry on, but, uh, Clarence, what about you? Is there a skill or a hobby that you want to start or improve on? Well, gardening is one of them, but, uh, I, I golf a lot and we're at this time of season that, with the weather the way it is at the present time, it's very tempting to get out there and start golfing. <laughs> yeah, it is. The same it? thing with with gardening. It's start. It's it's good time to start planning your garden. But uh, for me, golfing is my my big activity in the summertime. Uh, I do garden quite a bit also, and I do share a lot of information with Wayne, and he shares the information with me. Um, but uh, if I can just deviate a little bit. Uh, AARP does have some, um, through the uh, city, uh, there's a community garden right behind uh, uh, Sagebrush Elementary, and we do have a couple of garden plots available. If someone is interested, they can give me a call. My number is 752-1821. So if someone wants to get into gardening, but they don't have a plot, or, or maybe they live in an apartment, 
they can come down and speak with you. Correct. And possibly get a plot, and they can take care of their own garden this year. Absolutely. That is fantastic. Absolutely. Yep. And again, this is for anyone of any age. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that um, we have people in our garden. Um, they're 85 to 20 years old. So we have a very diverse group of folks. We have 55 plots. So, And a community garden like that is so... Uh, helpful especially if you're just starting out because yep. you can go in there work on your garden and get some tips some tricks some knowledge on how to get this done and you could start something that lasts your whole life and as wayne was pointing out something that can help sustain you and your family that's right now we're here to talk about the sue purple this is super as in s-o-u-p-e-r and wayne you started this a decade ago. Tell me what inspired you to get this thing, to kick it off, in a sense. Well, I had a friend, and uh, he was needing me to take him because he couldn't drive. He needed me to take him to the uh, uh, food distribution centers that were here in town. So uh, as I took him there, and uh, this was after Christmas. It was uh, during January and uh, end of February. And uh, February, he, as he went, he was given very few things. They didn't have very much on stock. And I asked them. I said, "What's the problem?" And they said, "Well, at Christmas time, we try to really make a big deal of helping others uh, have the food for Christmas that they need for families. And uh, at this time of year, we just don't have anything left." And I said, "Well." What can we do to help? And so they said, well, if we had another focal point of food collection, uh, the end of January, first part of February, it would be great. It would, it would really restock our shelves. So uh, as I was visiting with this friend and he got his few bags of goodies he was taking home, I said, what do you think? What should we try to do? And he says, well, let's try to do a, a bowl collection of, of, of things. And I said, well, the biggest activity that I can think of is the Super Bowl, yeah. the football game. And I said, could we do it around that? So we decided to make it around that. And we took, the, we took some uh, milk cartons, so plastic milk cartons, and we put names on both of them, of the teams. And we put them in several locations around town and collected food. And all the food we collected, then we divided up between the two distribution places there in Sheridan. And um, it was such a hit that uh, we decided to do it the next year because as I went back and visited with these people, they said, we still need food at that time of year. That time of year is a, just a, there's a great need for it because gardens aren't coming in yet. The garden produce hasn't come in mm -hmm. yet, but yet people are still needing to have something to supply their meals for them. So I said, this is it. And we'll that's, do it. It's a fantastic idea. Uh, and, and I think you, you nailed something, uh, you know, right on the head when you developed this program. Because a lot of us might not think that, yeah, the shelves up at our food banks are kind of cleared out right now. Yeah. And, and what is the biggest event that takes place between January and February? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. And so that's what we did. Uh, so we've, we've been doing it now for several years now. And uh, every year it seems to be growing uh, bigger and bigger. Uh, not only are we getting new locations and different locations to uh, place our baskets, our collection baskets, 
but we're also finding that we're have different people who want to give uh, be a part of it yeah. uh, in some way. Sometimes they can uh, donate money. Other times they donate uh, food items. Um, and uh, so we've just, it's just grown and grown. And uh, we can talk about uh, the last year, we, we sent, what, over, over a ton of food yep. that we collected last year. Clarence, a ton of food last year. Absolutely. That yep. is fantastic. So if someone out there is thinking, this is it, this is my opportunity to, to get them some food, what type of items can we accept? Well, basically what we're asking for uh, from the community is anything that's non-perishable, uh, canned vegetables, uh, canned meats, soups, uh, dried beans, uh, rice, those type of deals, cereal, sure. boxes of cereal. What about uh, dried noodles? Can we, dried noodles work yeah, too? Absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Uh, we don't know, at the present time, I don't know what the uh, capacity is of the uh, freezers. If there was something that came in uh, that needed to be frozen, we'd have to deliver that right away. Yeah. But our, our food drive goes for approximately two weeks, a week and a half. Um, we collect the food items for two different locations. One is the Salvation Army, and then the other one is for uh, People's Assistance. Yes. Fantastic. Okay, so where are the locations that I can drop off some food items? Well, we have uh, seven different locations. We have the uh, John C. Schiffer uh, School out out at the college. Uh, We have the American Legion. We have the VFW uh, Post on uh, 5th and Main. Or uh, on Main, or Fifth, excuse me, uh, the YMCA, the Hub. Uh, we have the uh, Sheridan Community Federal Credit Union, and then this year we also have uh, Sheridan Memorial Hospital. Uh, they'll have a couple of different locations within the hospital itself. So, and this is a fantastic program. You show up, and there's two bins, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to choose the team that you would like to see win the Super Bowl, and that's where you put your food items. That's right. So it's kind of a little bit of a... A, a little challenge. A little yep. challenge. Yep. Let's see who wins, who Sheridan thinks is really going to win. I think that'd be fantastic. Do you keep track of that? Hey, we got a full bin over here for this team and not that team. We do. We we try to uh, keep track of the, uh, the amount of donations per team. And then at the end of the uh, uh, the collection period, uh, we try to make that a little uh, known to the public itself. Uh, it it just it gives you a little a little challenge. Absolutely. You know? And we've been pretty close uh, last couple of years in regard to uh, diagnosing who's who's gonna who's gonna <laughs> win. You know? If people aren't too bad at guessing that, huh? right? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Well, we got yep. a ton last year. I would love to see a ton and a half, maybe even two tons this year. It would be absolutely fantastic. I, uh, uh, I'm not big on the Super Bowl itself. Uh, that's just my preference. But I am a fan of the Super Bowl from the AARP Sheridan. Uh, also, folks, I'm going to put up a story sometime this afternoon. Uh, I'm also going to address the community action team, something that you and I have talked about in the past, and I really like that. Right. Clarence, Wayne, I want to thank you both for coming in this morning and speaking with me. And uh, best of luck going forward. Let's do a ton and a half, two tons. Absolutely. We, we need the help Great. of the community. So 
Thank you. Thank you. All right. When we return, we're going to get an update from the Storyhouse Development. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. A new year means new adventures. Make this year the start of your homeownership adventure with First Federal Bank and Trust. Our local team will guide you through the home loan process from start to finish. Explore our online tools 24-7 from customizable financial calculators to daily mortgage rates. Call us or stop by our home loan center to get pre-qualified or apply online today at efirstfederal.bank. At First Federal Bank and Trust, we're making home happen in Sheridan. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. The Wild Performing Arts and Education Center presents the National Theater's production of The Crucible, Thursday, February 1st at 6 p.m. A witch hunt is beginning when a group of young Salem women raised to be seen and not heard suddenly find their words have an almighty power. Watch as a climate of fear, vendetta, and accusation spreads throughout the community, making no one safe from trial. Get tickets today at the Wild Theater box office or online at wildtheater.com. Hi, this is Christy at Buffalo Realty, and let's talk about 4157 U.S. Highway 1416. This beautiful split-level country home is just a few minutes from Claremont, Wyoming, and is situated on 8.13 acres. The main level has a kitchen, dining room, living room, breakfast nook, covered patio, and striking landscaping. Upper level has two bedrooms, a full bath, laundry, and office. Call me, Christy Kinghorn, at Buffalo Realty, connecting people with property. Sheridan Media's digital director, Julie Chadwick, has been named one of the top 20 digital directors in the country by Radio Inc. Magazine. But what does that mean for our advertisers? It means we have a digital division that's one of the best in the country right here in Sheridan. If you're looking to expand your digital budget or ready to make a change, let's talk about moving the needle with your marketing. Absolutely. Our plans are designed for small or large companies tailored to your goals and objectives. We can do short-term, long-term, even event marketing and we can pivot if we aren't seeing the results the best approach is always multimedia but let's see what fits your budget we're not about numbers we're about results your success is our priority give us an opportunity to show you how we've become one of the top 20 in the country call Sheridan media let's chat about how we can tailor a marketing strategy that includes digital and helps you reach your business goals email sales at sharedamedia.com or call 672-7421 Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. The new 240-plus acre Storyhouse Village broke ground on Thursday, August 31st, located on 5th Street, north of the Industrial Lane intersection. The development is looking to provide affordable and attainable housing for veterans in need and for those in our workforce. With me this morning is the Chief Executive Officer of Storyhouse, Sean Patrick Higgins. Good morning, Sean, and welcome back to the show. Morning, Floyd. Thanks for having me. Now, how was your new year? How'd you ring it in? You know, uh, it got off to a a fast start, so we've been working pretty hard out of the site, but also, you know, try to slow down and be grateful for a few things, take a little bit of reflection in, so. 
Were you able to ring in the new year here, or did you go out of town? Yeah, no, I was here all through the holidays in Sheridan. So, fantastic. It's been pretty much early spring. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I've been talking to a couple people about this odd weather outside, and uh, I was just talking to gentlemen from AARP, and they were thinking they're already starting to think about gardens. I wow. mean, I mean, they're really starting to plan. Now, I've been asking folks uh, a series of questions, but uh, I'll ask you: What is a hobby or a skill? that you would like to either begin or improve on going into this year? You know, I've been meaning to get back into my singing lessons. It's uh, something I've let go. And I was actually chatting with um, this woman, Amanda, who does some coaching locally here in town. And, you know, I think I might make some time for that finally. So. When, when you're doing your acting, because mm-hmm. that's what you are. You're an actor. I am. Um, do you, uh, are you more into the musicals or more into like the dramatic roles? Yeah, more into the straight plays and Shakespeare, right? Yeah. I can hold a tune, but I'm going to be in the chorus somewhere. I'm not wowing <laughs> anyone as a lead in the world. You're not going to be Jean Valjean. Yeah, there. No, yeah, no, but you give me a, you know, just a play without singing, maybe a few folk songs here or there, and yeah. I'll hold it down. That's, I think. Unfortunately, if I was ever going to jump into the realm, that's exactly the way I would have to go. I'm going to stay away from the musicals. Now, if you would please remind us what the Storyhouse development is. Yes. So Storyhouse Village is a three-phase development that is really looking at a ratio of attainable housing and a mixed income uh, neighborhood. And so we're looking at this 2060-20 model, which would hopefully be 20% of uh, attainable affordable 60% of fair market value, and then 20%, that's a little bit upscale, um, and that kind of offsets that lower uh, attainable housing. And that is all built around the concept of Veteran Village, as you know, and what we've talked about before, looking at some long-term affordable rentals for veterans uh, and our service employees, and that's something that we're really hopeful for, and, uh, you know, that will be the heartbeat of the village. Have have veterans approached you about this on the street have have they come to you and talked to you about this uh yeah you know uh one of our board members is jeff young of young family farms he's up in ranchester and he actually has uh folks that he picks up you know off the street and helps them when they get out of the va and he puts them up for a little while uh whether they're coming through that or the voa program he's got a few rooms on his uh out on his property and he and nicole are just some of the best people salt of the earth you know uh, he himself is a veteran and So we definitely have some folks that we're already reaching out to. Um, We've had a lot of inquiries, right? The Mm -hmm. whole project's been a little slow, um, belabored by, you know, just the process, right? It's the powers that be. And um, getting everyone educated about the issue has been an uphill battle. But now I think people are willing to recognize that long-term rentals are a gap in the services. We've got a lot of great transitional housing programs, a lot of home ownership programs, um, but looking at long-term affordability for rentals in Sheridan County, I mean, you know how that goes. So. Well, I mean, our our reporter here, Ron Richter, and I have had multiple conversations about the housing crisis of Sheridan. Mm. And he came in one day, and I can, I'll never forget it. He said, you know, Floyd, I've been here 22 years. And I started reporting on this the day I got here. So it's, it's been, it is a long-term problem. And there's been a lot of solutions, or, 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 uh, I guess you could say proposed solutions uh, that have, you know, as soon as they reach certain areas, they're done. 
Well, it feels like there's a lot of walls between here and there. I do want to think that we're on the precipice of change. I mean, the council and the county have done a great job by funding the Attainable Housing Council and some of the work that Jenny Craft and that board are doing to identify opportunities has been fantastic. And even just putting that into conversation for the last year plus of that Sheridan County uh, Housing, Attainable Housing Council, I believe the acronym is, and you know, they went through an RFP process and uh, that was awarded to Stone Mill Construction up on the north side of town. And they're working through that contract now. But, you know, there's a number of developers who have been really educated on the issue due to that process. And I think a lot of great proposals came forward. And, you know, we were one of three of those finalists and they ended up going a different way. But I really commend all the work that came from uh, First Choice Builders and Stone Mill and, you know, helping to imagine what we could do as a community. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this has got to get solved and you know, it's not going away. It's not going away. Yeah. And then we've got these property tax issues mm. that hit everybody right in the stomach. Um, you know, it, I feel like uh, every time we even start to approach one hurdle, we start to see the 10 others in front of us. Right. Uh, so, you know, I'd love to see them solve property taxes. I don't know how the constitutionality of it would work, but Anyone who's been here for a long time, multi-generational or whatnot, if there could be some sort of ceiling that they could expect to pay because some of those folks are on fixed incomes, property taxes, that's a real upset condition for a fixed income household. But you could look at new buildings and new properties and you could probably assess uh, some sort of elevator system or escalation of folks that are coming in that are doing new things. Maybe those property taxes bear a little bit of the brunt so mm-hmm. that some of those generational families could, um, you know, have a, a relief. Get a little bit of relief, absolutely. Who's involved in bringing the Story House development into reality? Yeah. Uh, you've got a pretty good-sized team. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful team of um, consultants and investors. We got, you know, about one-third of our folks that have come to the table are local which is just really wonderful. Um, and I can't speak highly enough about our local consultants. You know, um, ERA with Tom Bellis and the team over there has been leading the project on the real estate front. Um, we have uh, WWC is our engineering firm, and we've got Jeff Barron and Sarah Roher, who are the project managers. And we've thrown a lot of balls their way, and they just keep scooping them up. They're like the best shortstops you could imagine. Um, and they've worked through a number of redesigns now with the city, which has been uh, Ultimately, it looks like for the benefit of the project. And then, of course, Todd Wagner and Wagner Ranch Services. I mean, they've been moving dirt out there for a couple months now. And Todd and his guys, I mean, Terry is a hoot. Uh, Conlin and uh, Willie and Ryan Perry. Ryan, you know, he really amazed me. We're in film and theater, right? Yeah. And he did this little drone video of some of the site grading as an update for us. And he cut it with some music that was in the public domain. <laughs> and it looks like an action hero film, you know? And <laughs> There's just talent everywhere. It's uh, it's That's, always surprising. That, that is talent. Being able to take a drone and make land look like an action film. Uh, yeah, you know, I that's, can hardly fly a drone, right? <laughs> Let alone a you know I learned on my RC car. But <laughs> where are we at in the development right now, as far as progress and building? Yeah. So when we broke that ground in the ceremony uh, end of August, we really started moving dirt in earnest at the top of November. Uh, of course, since we've had a light winter, we got a lot further than we thought. Um, we had submitted originally, you know, rolling back the clock, we went to the first DRC design review committee in May 2023. It's when we proposed the layout and 
the lot layouts, the roads, right-of-ways, et cetera. That went through. Um, we then moved forward through the final annexation, which was July 5th of 23. We went into our preliminary plat submittal, which was October of 23. We got some notes and suggestions back from uh, city staff, and so we've addressed those in a redesign, and that was really the push to go from B2 to PUD. That was the request of the city, and so WWC and us, we, we went ahead and took that on and said, okay, yeah, we'll go that route. Um, submitted again December of 2023 with our plat and uh, had a planning commission, uh, unanimous vote early January, lots of great questions there. And then, of course, the uh, preliminary plat uh, first reading here in early January as well at city council. And, you know, I just want to, it's been a process, as I've mentioned, but I really want to commend the city council and staff for you know, addressing this with curiosity, keeping open minds. We've got some unique challenges and opportunities really out at our site. And I'd love to, you know, see us continue to move forward in a mindful way. And ultimately something that's going to create some long-term affordability for our, um, any homeowners out there. What has been the biggest challenge so far? You know, the biggest challenge so far is probably just the, um, you know, some of the periphery noise that goes on in anything. When you have change in a community, uh, some folks don't want to take the time to understand it and to really do the work to educate themselves to get behind it. And so I think we have some folks that are on the sidelines who like to have opinions and those negative voices can be very loud. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you know, I think we've addressed it very well and we're moving forward. You said you're dealing with some unique topography out there, leading to some unique solutions. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So as you know, the site has a bit of hills out there, Prairie Hills. I've is walked what it. Was it. Formerly a, called. It's yeah. a little hilly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Todd and them, you know, we've worked with WWC on an overall site grading plan, and then Todd has come in and um, his folks, Conlin, have sort of improved upon that plan. And it's a real collaborative uh, process, which we're just thrilled about. And so as you look at that site grading uh, and the topography, you know, one of the things that we've looked at and we've educated ourselves on and are seriously considering is a, um, it's a, gosh, I want to get the name right because there's some uh, differences of thoughts out there, but it's a packed bed on-site uh, treatment system, a sewer treatment plant. And that's a really unique uh, pressurized line system that can involve an on-site treatment, very similar to the, um, system that's at the Bighorn High School. It's actually the exact same system that we're looking at. So it's been here in the county for about 18 years. Um, and that creates this opportunity through LEADS principles, which is leadership in uh, environmental engineering design, right? So there's a lot of uh, benefits to that. And water reclamation and water conservation, you can actually, once the water is treated, um, you can use that gray water for landscaping and some other, uh, you know, uses. And we're really excited about that possibility, right? We've always approached this project as a sustainable, environmentally friendly project. Uh, we want to be good stewards of the land. And I think that's an obligation of just human, humankind in general. Absolutely. But being able to uh, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk and to do the education and um, get curious about how we can create some water conservation. I mean, you look up the mountains, look at the snowpack, right? We don't need another large development coming online that's sucking up all this water for beautification and landscaping. So if we can get uh, smart about our systems and, and if it's cost effective, and that's the other thing, it's sustainable, not just from a conservation 
point of view, but it's also sustainable in the long-term costs. Um, we met with this gentleman, Keith, yesterday, our engineering team, as we took a site visit down there at Bighorn. And I just can't, uh, one, he knows more about what happens after you flush than just about anyone should. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think it should be legal to know that much, but, um, but he's a fun, fun gentleman. He's a hoot and so knowledgeable. He'd be a fun interview for you yeah. at some point. But, uh, but also just learning, you know, what actually happens in these systems and the pressurized mains and um, how you can get through topography instead of having, you know, 24 and 30 foot deep cuts or manholes, right? And then all the extra equipment that it takes to maintain those deep, deep sewer pipes. If you have something that's a constant depth burial at six foot and it's a pressurized system where you can wash that system out and clear it pretty quick, I mean... It's, it truly is the way of the future, and these plants are relatively new in the scale of development, right, around for 30 years or so, but it's the common practice in North Dakota. There's two in Cody, uh, up in Billings, Missoula, uh, Utah, and southern Utah particularly. They're really uh, pretty neat. And so a lot of people are using these things and have been for a couple decades. Yeah, and, and in fact, it's in Wyoming. It's in our own county. I mean, Powderhorn runs off of one, and um, Bighorn High School runs off of one as well. And, you know, they were saying they're, they're at 10% of the capacity of the Bighorn High School system, right? This thing could, uh, according to Keith, could serve all of Bighorn if they were to build it out. And it's just a really fascinating um, new sort of system that, I, I understand that there's a fear of the unknown, yeah. right? But if we do the work to educate ourselves and we do the work to get curious and we ask the right questions, I think with that comes a lot of knowledge. And we could look at some different unique topography areas like ours uh, and find viable solutions. Absolutely. And then land that we thought wasn't useful at all suddenly becomes quite useful. Right. And especially when you look at that you know, affordability equation and attainability, ultimately, if there's a cost savings to be had... And there's a, you know, a monthly cost that could be as low as one third or one quarter of what your base rate is to, uh, to the city. You know, if we could imagine that for our, uh, homeowners out there, you could pay, you know, roughly $90 a year rather than $538 a year and a base sewer cost. And when you look at that, it's no longer apples to apples. When you look at the long-term savings and you push that out over 15, 20 years, it's, it's pretty meaningful and it would be very meaningful to young families. And on that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll have more with our Storyhouse CEO, Sean Higgins. Right after this, you're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sheridan. Have you ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders, we pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank, member FDIC. 
Winter and all of its uncertainty is here, and that means it's time to prepare for what's ahead. Have your shovels, snow blowers, and windshield scrapers ready as you never know when the next Wyoming storm will hit. This is Colton Bates with the best real estate team, and like our weather, the real estate market is always changing, so why not be prepared for its seasons as well? Now is the time to build your team of pros, your checklist of wants and needs, and more so you can be ready for anything that comes your way. As a potential buyer or seller, let us at best help you prepare for both the storms and the sunshine. For help in every season, call me Colton at 675-BEST and visit bestwy.net today. Proudly brokered by EXP. Another great week of the break free from the bitter cold event at Waring Chevrolet. Pleasant weather all this week. There's no better time to come down. Visit the lot. Waring Chevrolet has a great selection of brand new Chevrolets as well as a massive selection of pre-owned vehicles. The incredible sales team will guide you through the wearing way of buying a vehicle. This event's heating up. Week two, savings on every vehicle. The break free from the bitter cold event on now. Wearing Chevrolet 107 East Alger online, wearing Sheridan.com. Wake up and smell the coffee lovers. McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette are bringing back the McCafe menu magic. Delightful espresso drinks and coffees. Whether you crave the warmth of a hot cappuccino or caramel cappuccino, mochas, lattes, iced coffees, and more, you can order your McCafe coffee right from the McDonald's app using mobile order and pay for a quick pickup. Your mornings just got a whole lot better with McDonald's McCafe because, hey, good day start with a great cup of coffee. It's back. Life in Sheridan is dynamic. Between work, family, and the great outdoors, schedules can get hectic. At Sheridan Memorial Hospital's primary care, we're making your health care more convenient. You can confirm, reschedule, cancel, or ask questions about your appointment with a quick text. No time to call? Simply send us a text and we'll promptly get back to you. It's healthcare made easy, just the way you like it. Primary Care, caring for you and your family. Located in downtown Sheridan and online at SheridanPrimaryCare.com. This is Floyd Whiting, and I wanted to welcome you to Jackalopes Explore, the new video podcast from Sheridan Media. This is unlike any other podcast. We do a deep dive into the jackalope hole on a myriad of topics. UFOs? Yep. Bigfoot? Oh yeah. Local, national, and global politics? You betcha. Social media and conspiracies? Yeah. Join the Jackpack Weekly at SheridanMedia.com, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends from First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. Speaking with me this morning, excuse me if I can speak, is the Chief Executive Officer of Storyhouse, Sean Patrick Higgins. Veterans Village is approximately 14 acres of the 240 acres included in the Storyhouse development. If all goes according to plan, it will feature approximately 50 small homes for homeless veterans and those veterans out there in need. Sean, has anything changed on that front in recent months? You know, um, nothing has changed, Floyd. Uh, very, you know, proud of the resilience and faith of our board and our volunteers for Veteran Village. Uh, we've been trying to continually raise awareness and get the word out there. We're really looking at how can we provide direct services now in the timeline delay. And one of the things that we did was a uh, turkey drive this year. I believe we served 20 turkeys um, to veterans in need, some of them down to the hotels. That's um, fantastic. Yeah, it, you know, it doesn't, move the needle all that much. But these are folks that, um, you know, I, I've been alone on a few Thanksgivings and that's uh, never a fun feeling. And so if you can do something to make people's day a little brighter, 
that's where we're really thinking about how do we continue to raise awareness? How do we um, provide that sort of uh, connection point for veterans who are looking for those services that are provided? We've uh, gotten some referrals in to some different rehab programs for folks, which has been really meaningful. And um, as I mentioned before, Jeff Young, who, you know, I just can't speak highly enough about him and the, uh, the work he's doing on his own uh, beyond you know, what we're able to do right now as a board. But as we were talking about early, earlier, everything is taking time, right? If I had my way, we would have been building the first tiny homes three years ago. It's been a four and a half year project so far. And I think that resilience is the, uh, you know, the name of the game right now. The yeah. need's not going away. No, absolutely not. When you speak with a lot of these veterans, um, here in, in Sheridan County, uh, I mean, there's a lot more out there than we think, isn't there? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's just a, a wealth of different programs, but they do come with their own red tape and um, issues in navigating, right? And then there's the timeline delays. And I, I won't go too deeply into it, but um, we had a, a dear young man who is uh, friends of the son of our executive director, Steve Nicholson, Um and Steve has had to, to take some time to do some other things uh, right now. But that young gentleman was waiting in uh, the process to be admitted to the VA. And unfortunately, he had, um, you know, he took his own life. Lost and, his battle. Yeah, lost his battle at home, right? That war at home that we talk about sometimes. Uh, as you know, I'm a ambassador for Mission 22, uh, focused on the 22 veterans on average that take their lives every day here in our states. And... I just think we can do a whole lot better, right? Uh, there's a lot of studies, some of them done by the VA here in Wyoming that say that we have on average 18.6 folks, uh, veterans who take their life per day. Um, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. And so I understand, you know, when it comes to those programs up at the VA, uh, I was offered a seat a number of years ago and uh, I passed on it. But uh, it, it, it wasn't because I didn't have faith in those programs. The, the faith I have is in those programs. Yes. Uh, but there is a, a long line. There's a long line. And, um, <clears throat> you know, pardon me, <clears throat> we've been very lucky. You know, we've, uh, one of the volunteers and uh, friends of the board is Paul Clark, who runs Clark Saddlery. Right. And he'll speak very openly about his success with the VA programs and they saved his life. Right. And I just think that there are so many great stories. And then you move from there, you know, potentially to the VOA and you look at the work that they're doing over there with Jeff Holsinger and everything else. We are not ever looking to be uh, trauma services or rehab services or crisis services. Right. We don't want to be duplicative of any of those programs that exist. We really want to look at the folks who are, have gone through those uh, mm -hmm. programs and then are on their path to independence. And, you know, maybe home ownership is not the right step for them, right? Um, maintaining a sidewalk, as we've talked about before, landscaping a property, right? Some folks aren't able-bodied. They have mobility issues. And so being able to uh, put a roof over their head, but it's so much more than that. It's uh, the battle buddy system. It's the volunteerism that we would help get them plugged back into different nonprofits in the community. And then ultimately a path to employment if they are, you know, still uh, in that employment field. And 
not having a timeline on when you have to get out, right? Some of those yeah. transitional programs are fantastic, but a lot of them have a two-year uh, shot clock. As we said, we've got a long line behind you, so we kind of need to keep the ball rolling. Right. But sometimes uh, individuals may not be ready to leave or they don't have anywhere to go when they can. Right. And having someone there, um, you know, that they trust to help them in advocacy efforts, right? Uh, there's a lot of great programs like the Mobile Vet Clinic um, that's based out of Gillette. Uh, but you can get on their schedule and that's a federally funded program that they'll come to you and provide your services for uh, basic health checks and, you know, even some mental wellness checks as well. And we'd love to figure out the path through conversation and communication um, on where those collaborative partnerships could exist and flourish and looking at this very real gap. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I know every other veteran out there who's listening understands when I say that when you leave the service, you, there, there is a sense, uh, in, in a lot of us who feel, well, I just lost that family. So let's say you're dealing with something from the war and, and, and then you lose the family on top of it when you get out. And in a lot of situations, veterans feel, certain veterans may feel that they don't have anywhere to go. They have no one to talk to about this kind of stuff. So you go to the VA, you get in that program, you graduate the program, and now you're out. Now what do I do? Small things like you and I were talking about before. Just maintain the, the sidewalk in front of your house. Okay, well, I'm doing that for a little while. Now I can take on a little bit more and a little bit more. There are so many veterans out there who can go through this entire process as long as someone is patient enough to walk them, walk beside them while, right. while they're going through it. I did the same thing. Uh, 2016 was a, was a tough, tough year for old Floyder. But I started small. Little tiny things every day got me to where I am today. And if we give that opportunity to other veterans then we will see success after success, and we will start to address this problem. That is really addressing the problem of veteran suicide, in my opinion. Right. Okay? Because if I knew I had somewhere to go, if I had purpose, direction, and some motivation, I could get there. These soldiers and sailors and service members understand those three things. And if they have those three things and a little help beside them, they can conquer anything. That's exactly right. I mean just working against that isolation, right? And um, and if we can solve that, that's maybe half the battle. I don't want to minimize it to that, but just uh, companionship, right? Walking yeah. beside them. The other thing that I just really want to address and, and put straight, we are not looking at handouts, right? No. Everyone talks about the handouts and the folks that will uh, you know, continually take from the system. We're really looking at a hand up and kind of over the wall, right? And sometimes you need that hand up. Absolutely. And I, I've got a veteran brother who's, uh, well, he's, he's still serving, as a matter of fact. Uh, he's, uh, we're all getting a little older. He's actually looking to retire. But him and I have had long conversations about that. He went back to school and wrote a paper about a lot of this stuff. And uh, so he really looks at those issues of who's trying to take advantage of the system and why. And there are, there's always going to be bad apples in the bunch, you know, who want to take advantage of the system. But the majority of veterans are not that way. 
That's not how they were trained, and it's not the heart that was in their chest that drove them to serve their country in the first place. And and most of the folks that were in touch with Floyd, um, they're the folks that believe those services aren't for them. Right? Exactly. They yes. came back. They've got you know all their limbs, God willing, and everything else, and um, are relatively sound of mind. They don't want to go and take a bed from someone else. And there's a bit of stoicism in that. And so if we can find those pathways of communication and understanding to, again, just um, help untangle some of the web, that's really what we're looking at. And I want to I want to throw an emphasis on what you just said. Um, my, it took my father uh, sitting me down and convincing me, old cowboy, Vietnam vet, to look me in the eyes and say, look, I might not be able to see your wounds, but they're there. And you need to take advantage of these systems. You need to go get what you've earned. And after about three hours, uh, he finally convinced me after seven years mm. of me just drinking, right? Because that was the way that I was solving my problem. Right, the Band-Aid. You know, just throw a bottle and I'll solve it my own way, which only creates more. Right. I mean, lost my family. I, I hit rock bottom multiple times and it took my father sitting me down saying look i think it's time we we really address the the real elephant in the room and uh you need to take advantage of these things because you're slipping and uh so that's what it takes sometimes to get some of us to get our butts in there yeah and it's you know sometimes it's not just a roof overhead it's a purpose to get out of bed in the morning as well and so as we look at integrating this full uh community out there this mixed use mixed income community this idea of um, not just socioeconomic backgrounds being integrated, but also just different walks of life, right? I'm not imagining that Veteran Village is this little isolated acreage up there. I'm hoping that those men and women are helping to maintain the property. We'll get them jobs as landscapers or, you know, figure out how to get them back into the crafts if they want to, you know, metal work or whatever it is. We want to be that connective tissue. And, and we're not going to do it alone, you know, we want to reach out to those programs that exist. And we've connected with many national programs who are very interested in our journey and our path and how they can help support. I don't have a lot of time left, Sean. What's next in the development? Next in the development is, uh, you know, we're heading towards this uh, final plat approval, hoping that we'll get that sometime mid or late February, maybe early March. A um, couple things we have to solve on the overall design element. And uh, so once we get that through the city, you know, we'll probably break ground. We've had such a light winter on the, we will, um, sorry, not break ground. We'll start moving on the actual roads, uh, finish up the site grading after the thaw, even though, gosh, I mean, it's 65 degrees out yeah, there I know. today. It's right? tempting to start now, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and, and after that, you know, we are looking to have those roads um, to a basic point of construction so we could start some of the vertical construction late fall. Sean, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. Uh, and thanks, Floyd. thanks for coming on and, and giving us an update on on our Storyhouse Village. Thank you. Very grateful to have uh, have the time and for you all to have me here. So thanks. You've been listening to Public Pulse Sun 930, KROE, and 103.9 FM, Sheridan. wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. 
Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders. We pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank. Member FDIC. mechanic with welding ability? You'll want to pay attention to this. Decker Cole is currently hiring an experienced mechanic slash welder along with a utility oiler. These are day shift positions with excellent benefits you would expect from Decker Cole. Experience is necessary for the mechanic position, but they will train the right person as an oiler. Applications for both are available now at Sheridan's Workforce Center. Decker Cole Company, an equal opportunity employer. Sheridan Johnson County Cremation Services. A division of Sheridan Funeral Home is here to serve your loved ones that choose cremation. It is an honor for our team of certified professionals to guide your loved one with care and respect throughout the entire process. To us, this is a service and a ministry to our friends and community members. It is our honor to be there when you need us. To find out more, visit SheridanFuneral.com. Sheridan Funeral Home and Cremations, compassionate professional service for the Sheridan community. The Wild Performing Arts and Education Center presents the National Theater's production of The Crucible, Thursday, February 1st at 6 p.m. A witch hunt is beginning when a group of young Salem women raised to be seen and not heard suddenly find their words have an almighty power. Watch as a climate of fear, vendetta, and accusation spreads throughout the community, making no one safe from trial. Get tickets today at the Wild Theater box office or online at wildtheater.com. The following message is presented by Century21BHJ.com. The Advocacy and Resource Center's annual Love Shouldn't Hurt fundraiser is February 16th. Don't miss this opportunity to be entertained by the amazing dueling fun pianos celebrating healthy relationships and helping violent crime victims. The doors of the Caleb Shrine open at 6 p.m. Get your tickets at our Facebook event or stop by the Advocacy and Resource Center. For more information, call 307-672-7471. You said I do. Now you need to visit and enter the new Sheridan Media Bridal Preview Sweepstakes on the contest page at SheridanMedia.com. Not only will you find vendors to help make your wedding day even more special, you can register to win over $1,100 worth of prizes. This year's vendors include Cottonwood Kitchen and Home, Forever Flawless, Bighorn Mountain Axe, Legacy Diamond and Gems, Bomber Mountain Bus, Mirror Mirror.